When the fires die down and the guests are full, the only thing left to do is enjoy the company. Best done with a fresh cigar and a cold drink. This is After the Cook. I saw a Florida softshell turtle today. I'm super happy about that. I used to have one. Like a long time, like almost that big too. I used to have one in like 125 gallon. If we walk through Clam Bayou, the birds and the fish and the fucking, the nesting birds of wild prey birds up and it's, and, and sometimes you can see manatee back there. Yep. It's it's really, might not see any more than you saw today, but the shit that I've seen when yeah. I've seen stuff is really cool back there. Manatee scare me. Because <laughs> they're like a giant larvae that's a mammal. Florida is very protective of yes. those things. You can't touch them. Nope. You can't do anything. Yeah, no disturbing the manatee. I and thought personally pounds. you were going to say that you could easily be a manatee. You could come down here and just, you know how you were talking about the rich and famous people, they pay somebody yes. to like be off the grid? Well, you're paying to be off the grid is they just put you in with a pod of manatee. Thank you. I don't know if they're called pods, oh, but it would be like your life's dream. You're in warm, nice water, floating around with these big happy creatures yep. Yep. people are looking at you but can't touch you yep. throw you food yep. i mean yep. <laughs> that's <laughs> see you should be rolling now this is gold jordan gold it, it, yeah he is he is rolling he's always rolling one neat thing that a lot of people don't know and i like to bring these pointers into the the show whenever possible right um octopus are the only uh sea creature uh that will hit other animals for fun yeah they've did they, you see that video of the octopus that was making the rounds the viral rounds last week that was playing catch with the person that's awesome that's they, so the, the 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 handler or whatever taught yeah. would throw like a ping pong ball okay yeah yeah and the octopus and eventually it, you know would do yeah. it and, and then eventually it understood yep. and then the dude was sitting there throw it and the octopus would catch it throw it back oh, and they yeah. sat there yep. and it's cool. I love that stuff. Oh, that's this is the the wife and the daughter both were like, so you're never get, we watched uh, my friend the octopus. Uh huh. You ever see that documentary on Netflix? Uh, is that the one where it shows the full life cycle yes. of that? Yes. Of Pretty that intense. I was sad at the end when that octopus died. I was sad. Just, so the wife was like, so you're never gonna cook octopus again, are you? Yeah. I'm like, I actually want octopus right <laughs> now. <laughs> they gotta die. That's it. That's it. Much like us. Something that we learned in Florida, right? I've been dead. This is it. That's the one thing I have on everybody else. Oh. I've been dead. And people will go, so you all are like the first people that didn't do this. Everybody always asks, so did you see the light? Did you did you float above your body, all that shit? No. I didn't. Now, I have since rethought this whole experience, and I could have started like a cult, uh, a religion. I could have lied and said I saw all this stuff. I got the meaning on it because I literally yep. am on record. I've been dead for two minutes. Yep. And if you don't think two minutes is a long time for being dead, close your eyes and put on a timer for two minutes. Two yep. minutes is dead, dead, yep. dead. Yep. No, I believe that. I still think I'm in a coma. I have this joke with Debbie all the time. Yeah. That I actually never came back to consciousness. I'm just, this is all the some, matrix. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. That's awesome. 
Uh-huh. So, so one thing that Jordan and I learned today about Florida, because we are in Tampa Bay, we're actually Gulfport, Florida, with Buddha in Buddha. his yard right now. We're yeah. on on site. Beautiful backyard, pool. We learned that when the ambulance drives by and they honk their horn, that means there's an opening in the real estate, <laughs> yeah, and possibly an estate sale coming up right away. So, it's... just like we said with the octopus, you know, some people have to move out so that other people can move in. And now we've learned the real estate game in Florida. <laughs> and what's sad about that is not so much that that was highly offensive that you told that story. Yes. But what's sad is the true nature of that story. I mean, it really is even Debbie's parents who come down in winter here. They're snowbirds. Yes. Every time they hear an ambulance, they're like, oh, there's another condo for sale. Exactly. I mean, it's just like common knowledge I down know. here. I, I get it. And like, I didn't even think about it when I was flying down here, but someone had saw on my stories... I had posted the picture of me in my in my plane, right, sitting in my seat, and they're like, "You're the only person with pigment in your hair on that flight." Oh yeah, <laughs> and I was it's like, true. "Now that you mention it, my yeah. daughter calls them Q-tips." Yeah, there you go. Yeah, but you know what's really cool about being my station of life and and having moved down here full time? You don't have to listen to people like us. I mean, well, well, that true. Yes, but but. Other the other thing is is in my former life up until a couple of years ago when we moved here, yep. I was like the old and in the way person. Yes, you know even though I live young and I'm the Buddha and all that other kind of stuff. Really, at my age bracket with my kids and my friends, I'm the old dude, the mm. wise guy. You know, the wise, not smart ass. Yeah. But now down in Florida, I'm the young hipster. Hundred percent. I'm we- like I'm on the young end of the cool spectrum here. I'm back to being like the man on campus. It, it ends promptly at seven thirty at night every night. Yeah. But from five thirty to seven thirty, yeah, <laughs> I'm like legit cool. And, and we it's great. S- we saw him. We saw him two days ago downtown Gulfport, slapping the bass. He was playing a, a ska version of "I Don't Want No Scrubs." It was. Uh, you can't get any more young and generational than that. That was it's, fantastic. Well, even though that song is from the, <laughs> I mean, that's like an old song now. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's great. I played music in the Washington D.C. area for many, many years, and uh, have found a community of great and like-minded musicians down here. Very cool. So I get to play. We're going tonight. There you go. We're going to be doing it again. So we are having a very special guest tonight. Yes, we got a big hitter tonight for you guys. I'm very excited about this. I've had the opportunity to meet him with some Big Green Egg events. Bob Atkinson from Big Green Egg has introduced me to our next guest several times. But the last time it was at a Snake River Farms event this past September. And Chris was a guest as I was a guest. And I had the pleasure of the very first night of cooking for Chris Lilly. And he came up to me to tell me how delicious the dish was and thus a real relationship relationship began so i was happy to get him on the show so ladies and gentlemen without any further ado our guest for tonight chris Lilly from big bob gibson's barbecue thank you for joining us mr chris Lilly. oh gosh i appreciate the invitation awesome we had the pleasure of meeting a few times uh, the last time was at the Snake River Farms event, and uh, I followed up with an email and uh, asked you to be on the show, and you accepted the invitation, so here we are. Uh, absolutely. I appreciate the invitation. Now, barbecue's been good to me, so anytime I can uh, talk to some uh, barbecue brethren and, uh, yeah, just shoot the bull a little bit, uh, yeah, I'm always in. Yeah, that's, that's fantastic. I ran into him, actually, American Royal this year as well, so I said okay. hi. 
And I told him, I said, you know Buddha? Oh, uh, yeah. And my Buddha. Well, you know what I've, and I, I would imagine you're going to say yes to this regardless of what the answer is, but I'm going to ask anyway. You must get so much of that, oh, I met you three years ago at such and such and such, <laughs> and you're probably really great at the poker face. Oh, yeah, I remember you. I remember you. Is that a skill that you've acquired after all of these repetitions, Mr. Lilly? Uh, you know, I don't know if I've mastered it, but, uh, I, I do get to meet a lot of people and, uh, that's one of the best things about my job. Um, and what I like to do, you know, I, I, I travel a lot and, uh, if I don't enjoy the people I'm hanging out with, you know, in the place I am, I just don't book the same travel again next year. <laughs> so, uh, I'm picky about where I go and who I hang out with. So, uh, I always enjoy meeting people and talking about barbecue. Nice. Have you always been a people person, or is that something that you acquired after the career that you've had and had to run into more people all the time? I definitely enjoy my friends. Uh, <laughs> I would say I'm probably more behind the scenes than uh, front of the stage uh, type person, but uh, I enjoy my small groups and hanging out with my close friends without a doubt. Oh, well awesome. said. That's awesome. So we're you know getting to know more about you. We do the research on you. And uh, one of the questions that I know is top of my mind is, you married into Big Bob Gibson's. I didn't know that before reading this about you. It may be common knowledge. So the question is, were you into cooking and barbecue prior, or did you get into it after your lovely wife and the introduction to that family business? I tell you, um, I, when, I, when you say into it, you know, you've... You... You know, a lot of people, you know, have cooked in the backyard, enjoying, uh, you know, grew, I grew up watching my uh, father cook on a charcoal grill in the backyard. He had old, the old cast aluminum PK from the 50s. And, you know, he was, he always cooked on that thing. And um, so I always enjoyed watching him. So I always loved to barbecue, uh, loved to cook, but I never would have dreamed that would have been my profession. Um, met my wife in college uh, and uh, actually married her, moved to Franklin, Tennessee. I uh, had a job as a sales rep up in uh, Franklin, and her dad offered me a job to come back and learn the business. So uh, it was a little tough knowing that I was coming back and working with the in-laws and everything. Didn't yeah. know how that would work out, but gosh, best career move I've ever made in my life. It was, it's been, you know, fantastic ever since. Yeah, I, I could imagine. That. I think one of the things that stood out to me the most is when you started that uh, path, you knew that you couldn't tell people what to do or how to do it until you got in the kitchen and started doing it yourself. A lot of people overlook that. And then did you know right away when you started doing it that, that the back of the house uh, was where your skills were going to be the most appreciated? Yeah, I definitely, uh, definitely fell in love with the pit room. Uh, fell in love with the art of barbecue and actually learning, uh, learning you know to 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 smoke and to cook and to control the fire and and everything different flavor profiles um so yeah that was well, that was where and where i'm still probably the most happiest you know i i i said i was sort of a behind the scenes guy and that still holds true i'd rather be back of the house in the pit room than front of the house in the restaurant any day and usually uh that's where i am so when you come visit the restaurant uh more often than not, they have to go back of the house to find me. Right. Just one location, or did you all open? Got two locations in Decatur. Okay. Nice. And any consideration with your fame in the barbecue world and the notoriety of Big Bob Gibson to take the name and, and franchise it or, or grow beyond the two locations? 
So if we did another location, it would definitely be company owned, I think. I think I'm going to leave that up to my two boys right. um, yeah. on on what they want to do with Big Bob Gibson's, whether they want to roll out more. And I'll absolutely support them and their endeavors. Um, I am content right now on uh, on the restaurants that I've got. And then plus, I do, half of my work or a lot of the work that I do is away from the restaurant, as traveling, uh, corporate appearances, and um in, in caterings and jobs on the road that I've got a, a lot of corporate partners and a lot of great people I've worked with over the years and still enjoy the travel, still enjoy, uh, you know, barbecuing on the road. That That's something I was curious about. There were some doozies on your, your record of, uh, catering. You got to tell us about that gig you did with Microsoft. That must've been wild, eh? <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, that was, uh, that was interesting. So, the thing about offsite catering, uh, especially uh, that gig that you brought up, Microsoft, that was in Sonoma, California, at the NASCAR uh, road track out there. Yeah. So um, I've done a, a few events for Microsoft. It was so, sort of born uh, through my relationship with NASCAR and a lot of private events that I've done for them. But yeah, that was an event for Microsoft. You know, a couple hundred people, uh, all their execs in California. And the tricky thing is, is the logistics ahead of time, yep. figuring out uh, the cookers you're going to cook on and sourcing those, uh, your offsite kitchens and where you do the prep work, uh, your onsite logistics and timing, especially when you're limited amount of cooker space. So um, I saw everything was going smooth as silk. Prep day went great. We went out to do the onsite event at Microsoft. Uh, the tricky part is, you know, you've got a time you put your butts on when they come off in the morning, those come off and then your ribs go on or your chickens go on and you're actually juggling food the entire day. Uh, that particular event, it, it was, it was tricky and that we put everything on, went back to the hotel to get some sleep. We're cooking on a, a gas assist rotisserie, a Southern pride, I believe it was, or old hickory. I think yep. it was an old hickory, uh, that we had sourced out in California. But middle of the night, a security guard walked by and decided that someone had left a generator running and turned it off. Yeah. So no fire, no rotisserie, uh, barbecue stops cooking. And that is at one in the morning. Okay. So when I get there at uh, six in the morning, uh, we got a cold pit and no barbecue done. So, um, the the difficult thing is, you know, you've got you're cooking for Microsoft, you're cooking for 200 people and you're doing a brunch lunch. Yeah, right. Total two totally different menus. Right. So it was a little tricky uh, trying to finagle and get everything done. Um, I had a pizza oven there. I was cooking biscuits and bacon and eggs at probably 700 degrees <laughs> to get everything done for brunch so I wouldn't have to use the cooker so I could finish the cooker. And then we rotated chickens through the pizza oven. So it was it was pretty insanity. So our legs were churning behind the fence and we were going like mad, but uh, they never knew what was going on uh, where where our service was. So uh, it's one of those things you just you just got to roll with it. It is what it is. The only person that would have looked bad is me. The security guard sure wouldn't have looked bad, <laughs> yeah, uh, right. you know, to the Microsoft execs. So that that comes back on me. So you got to do what you got to do. You never give up and you just got to sort of roll with your punches. So that was probably the trickiest and toughest um, uh, catering job that I ever had. 
No one told. Did you do any of the barbecue, or did you just pivot and do a totally different menu at that point? Did you try to do? No, hot, we fast did the full pork? menu. We just I just finished out my butts at uh, you know three hundred and fifty degrees, right. hot fast, uh, fast to get them done. Hot fast, that's it. Uh, and at the same time, rotated rotated everything out uh, through the pizza oven, and then uh, did a lot of grilling instead of smoking uh, that day. Yeah. So we completed the menu. It's just we we cooked on different apparatuses. It was it was not planned at all. Oh no, told. So do you, does that mean you have a, an apprentice that sits around where the generator is from now on? Or <laughs> yeah, what changes? <laughs> was this early on in your catering experience? Have you made changes to cover that? Uh, this variable? was actually not early on. This okay. was just a few years ago, without a doubt. I've been doing this a while, but. Uh, now there's definitely uh, duct tape and 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 signage <laughs> no, and magic markers going to town. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, the switches are duct taped shut and signs go up. Do not turn generator off. Um, or you just hang out with it all night, which we, we, if you've been in the barbecue business for as long as I have, you do that a lot. So yep. it's something you're definitely used to. Oh, oh definitely. That's that's one thing. I've got a, a small roster of people that help me on my catering events. And there's maybe two out of the five that I would trust overnight. So there's, yeah, I wouldn't even roll with them. I wouldn't be able to sleep. So from Big Bob Gibson's, what led to your journey in competitive barbecue? How did you go from being a owner operator of the family business to now I want to compete and your accolades there? What was the journey like? Well, back then it was, um, I think it was in 1997. Uh, I believe I did my first contest could have been 96 in there but um initially got my um portable barbecue trailer to do on-site caterings and things around there's a lot of industry around decatur alabama we've got the tennessee river so there's a lot of big industry um so i was wanting to get the word out that we did uh company picnics and on-site catering so i uh, thought i'd just enter a local contest in huntsville alabama um uh, just to sort of show off the cooker and um, and let people know about us. So uh, entered the contest and, and it turned out we did pretty good. And uh, we did a second contest. In our second contest, we got the automatic entry to go to Memphis and May to cook the world championship. So then we were hooked. It was all downhill from there. So um, it's it's interesting. I'd never ran the cir circuit per se. You know, right. the most contests I ever did in a year, I'm guessing was probably six or seven contests, you know, per year. We always did the big ones. We always did the world championships and we built a pretty good track record uh, doing that. But uh, definitely had to sort of allocate our time between the restaurants, between catering and then competitions yep. and raising a family. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, no doubt. Well, that's you. You have quite a quite an impressive run <laughs> in the competition circuit so that's that's definitely something to be super proud of and, and being inducted as well that's that's massive unbelievable congratulations does the number 17 bother you because it's not an even number do you feel the need to get that 18th <laughs> world championship hey, you know it's interesting and that the the number 17 that is that is sort of uh that is the number of world championships we've had in individual categories. Right. So that would be ribs and pork shoulder and brisket and chicken. We even got a world championship in sausage at the American Royal. So those are like the individual meat categories. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't know. That's not counting. I mean, there's some stuff in there that we didn't count. Right. And that sort of changes. And depending on who you talk to, could be more, could be one less. Uh, but uh, 
Uh, 17 is a good number. I looks, roll with looks it. Good on I don't get hung up, in, yeah. hung up with that. So, no. Did your sausage have a casing for the American Royal? I have to ask. Oh, really? Nice. Uh, yes, it did have a casing uh, when I won, but uh, I made sure it was definitely, uh, you know, chew through or oh, yeah. cut through there with you your go. teeth and everything. So it's, it's an interesting decision. And sausage has always been tough at the American Royal. You yeah. know, sausage used to be a mandatory category. That was your fifth mandatory category that you had to enter to win grand championship. Um, that was included in the grand championship that you had to enter. So, um, yeah, we've been cooking sausage at the American Royal for a while. Wow, that's that's awesome because that's that's one thing I noticed this year when I was there, just kind of catfishing when everyone was rolling in, right? And a lot of people were doing them just hand handmade, right, hand pressed, right on site, and the way you went, and that was their. And I I didn't even know that was an option at first, right? But then every every restaurant you go to out there, that's that that's the Kansas way, right? It's just a loaf of uh, sausage. So I was I was quite quite blown away by that. It was kind of neat. First time I attempted to make sausage, true story. Nope. Read a book, was getting into barbecue. My wife was helping me. We chilled the fat, right proportion, the whole thing, grind, whole thing. The casing, <laughs> I look back on I didn't realize you were supposed to scrunch it all up on the nozzle, so we like had the casing all stretched out. <laughs> and we were trying to get it in there and it kept ripping and my wife i was getting frustrated i was like i don't know what to do. i don't know and then we went and youtube did and yeah. immediately realized the error of our way so yeah it's wild it's my one and only casing story it's a doozy isn't it there you go so i, I have to ask in in the in the competition barbecue world are you a hot and fast kind of guy or are you still trying to do the low and slow like the restaurant or Ooh, good question. Um, and I've played with both without a doubt. I'm sort of a mid, sort of a mid range guy. And it really depends on the competition that I'm cooking. Uh, when I do Memphis in May, I de I'm definitely still low and slow. Uh, you know, I do all the pork shoulders at 225. Uh, we run those, you know, long time, 17, 18 hours, depending on how large the, the pork shoulders we are and how many we're cooking. When I cook a KCBS contest, uh, I, I cook it more around 275 degrees. Yep. Uh, so I sort of a mid range. I don't run 300, 325, but I definitely cook hotter than I do uh, Memphis in May. So, you know, a little of both. It's, it's interesting. I used to cook a contest called uh, King of the Smokers. It was an invitational 2014 um, contest out in California. Uh, Sterling Ball put it on. They don't do it anymore. It's a fantastic contest. And um, I went out there to cook that. And for several years, I would fire up and I would be the only person cooking overnight. Yep. And the sun would come up and that's when everybody else would roll in and, and fire up their cookers. So uh, talk about a lonely barbecue nights out of 2014. <laughs> I was the only person cooking uh, low and slow. Yeah. No, huh. I, I can totally see that. That's crazy. Yeah. When we were all at uh, the Snake River Farms event and you were with a cadre of other barbecue luminaries, that was the thing that. Because I haven't done, I cooked a little bit. Uh, do you know Chris Capel with Dizzy Pig? I know he was. I sure do. Okay, so Chris, yeah, great guy. I've cooked with the Dizzy Pig team a bunch, but just a fly on the wall type stuff. So I didn't realize that it was such a pivot now that people were doing the hot and fast and yeah. winning and were big, you know. So that that's one of those things as a backyard barbecue. You're like, huh? There's, yeah. You know, there yeah. are different ways. Well, we did have Ray Lampy back here that one time that he went off on the whole kcbs thing he yeah <laughs> ray lives 10 minutes from me yeah he, yeah he was he was quite perturbed take it back to the old school that was the 
Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I, I just love Ray's post about the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, he's always. He's relentless. It's just, I mean, during football season, I could always get a good laugh Sunday morning when he when he beats up those guys. So yes, I love Ray. Uh, Ray is a uh, good guy, old friend. So I've been cooking with him for a long time over the years in different aspects. And uh, I'm good. I'm good enough friends with him. I know his hot buttons to push, and you better believe I push him every time I'm hanging out with him. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, that's that, awesome. That seems like the fun part of knowing Ray really well yeah. is to do that. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, so you share a place with Ray and the Barbecue Hall of Fame. How did you like that experience? What is it like for you going forward? And what is the future? of the Hall of Fame have for barbecue? You know, gosh, it was such a huge honor. Uh, and I'm definitely surprised. And it was, uh, I mean, you know, it's just, it was just so cool, really. Um, and one of my favorite aspects about it is is going to the to the American Royal, to the Hall of Fame ceremony every year. And, um, and having that designated time on Saturday to uh, get with all of the inductees, all the past, uh, inductees and just hanging out with them just just chilling and talking talking about old times and you know back when you know when we started out and everything and sharing old memories that we had together so um but i love meeting all the new people especially all the restauranteurs who have been doing it all their life and we're seeing a lot more get uh rightly so get inducted in into the hall of fame so uh yeah just so privileged so honored and it's something i look forward to every year is is going to that ceremony and just hanging out uh with all the people now i don't know much about the induction process but are you a part of the body now is it like the academy awards once you won you're now in the group that helps decide going forward or are you is that a separate thing you know, I definitely have a vote. Uh, it's very interesting in that um, the Hall of Fame takes nominations from absolutely everybody. Anybody can nominate somebody for the Hall of Fame. And then those uh, those nominations go before a board. They've got a huge, diverse board of people that look over all the uh, all the names. And they will uh, shrink those down and put a list of names before uh, all of the past winners. And... Um, or past inductees and we get a vote uh, and we'll vote for i think it's three people off the list that uh that we think is deserving and we you know vote just like the awards and uh cross our fingers and hope our people uh get in so um there's a lot of people out there that i voted for that uh haven't been inducted that i'm still waiting on uh on them to get inducted uh, inducted so um a lot of deserving people out there that are not in the hall of fame so um you better believe i take it serious and vote every year and put a lot of time looking at the candidates yeah. and thanking their contributions to barbecue and going over in my mind trying to pick the most deserving people yeah and who would have thought that all those years ago that that would be you know the debate that yeah. you could have at that serious level it's pretty amazing no what barbecue has done well, that, and that actually segues into another question I got for you, which is from the OG standpoint of seeing like the, the, the grassroots of this coming up, you know, through the, through the, the, the nineties and, you know, 2000 stuff like that. It was really, really starting happening, rolling hard. Now you have the social media aspect of it. You've got the whole new, uh, wave of people from, from TV shows. The popularity is up in a hundred percent right now. People are just barbecue crazy how how do you see this um changing as far as like the american royal and the and the awards and stuff like that do you see anything coming around 
with that? Gosh, I, you know, actually, I like it because it, I like all the social media aspect of it. I don't like doing the social media aspect <laughs> right. of it, but uh, I really like it because it's, uh, it brings a whole new world of people into barbecue and there's so much more information out there. And uh, it makes it easier for people to go into their backyard and learn and uh, try out new things and get outside and fire up the charcoal grill and just uh, and and experiment. So I think the social media aspect of, has opened b the barbecue world up to a a lot of people that never would have uh, tried barbecue or attempted to go and, and smoke in their backyard. So I think it's a it's a fantastic thing. So uh, I think it's just going to get more and more popular and. Um, you know, with the dry rubs and the sauces and the recipes and things. Heck, you know, I'll, I'll cruise through social media and get some ideas on, uh, you know, on things that uh, that I cook, you know, in, in off-site caterings and appearances that I do. So uh, I think it's fantastic for barbecue. We'll see where it goes. Um, you know, hopefully this old cat can learn enough to, you know, push through push through so social media to stay relevant. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's... I know it's, it's moving fast. It's moving super fast. What cookers do you use in the restaurant? And are they the same that you use either for catering and or on the road for competitions? Gosh. Okay. The restaurants, we've got the old fashioned brick coffin pits. Uh, it is uh, three layers of brick plus insulation, uh, fire, fire brick. It's got the big counterweighted uh, metal lids that lift up. We've got a chimney on each side, so it's definitely old school. You know, uh, we burn all hickory wood, uh, shovel coals, a whole shebang. So um, it, that's what we have in the restaurants. Um, my favorite as far as, well, our barbecue trailer rigs that we use for both uh, competition and catering are Jedmaster smokers. Uh, he stopped making them in probably 2004, 2005. It's almost like a direct fired rotisserie. So your rotisserie is directly over the firebox. There is a heat shield between the firebox and the rotisserie, but you get that sort of fat drippage in the coals that sort of gives you that old school charred barbecue flavor where the, you know, when the fat renders and it hits the, hits the coals, it almost gives you a charred moisture. So it's a little bit different flavor profile, but it's, but it's it's one that I absolutely love. Uh, they run off of charcoal and wood, uh, so typically I fire them up with kings for charcoal and uh, and hickory chunks, and get busy. So that's what I use in competition and catering the Jed Masters. Uh, on my back porch, I've got one of absolutely everything. Yeah, because I can imagine. Really, what I do, I have to be, I have to know the you know pros and cons of pellet cookers, uh, ceramics, you know indirect, uh, you know Texas style, uh, you know smokers and things like that. You know, I've got everything from a tandoor to a hibachi to a gosh, uh, big green egg, komodo komodo. Um, I've got I've got a gravity fed charcoal grill. I've got just about everything out there. So uh, that I regularly, uh, you know, cook on different apparatuses to just sort of, sort of stay sharp and uh, test flavor profiles and things like that. So cook on everything at home. Yeah. I read uh, a very interesting story about Kingsford Charcoal. Tell me if I got this right. They are a product of the Ford Motor Company, correct? Do you know the story? The yeah, story? it was Henry Ford's original idea. And it was what, uh, you know, when he had was making the cars, he got all the pallets the hardwood pallets with all his parts coming in to you man manufacture the cars. 
And it was a byproduct. Charcoal was a byproduct of the automobile industry and in that he'd take that uh, hardwood pallets and turn it into charcoal because he had to find a use for all those pallets. Yeah, so, and he, um, had, he, he had all of his vendors that would send him parts make to these certain specifications for Ford Motor Company the wood yep, framing yep. and the panels he would use for the car construction right. nice. so the people that would ship the parts yep. the boxes would turn into panels the framing the wood framing they would turn Dream that into charcoal that's, that's wild. a pretty amazing story huh? that is cool yeah it's a great story great history there tells you how uh long the company's been around uh making charcoals you know it's been a long time and his buddy was uh mr kingsford and then that's how they went in together and then it took the took on the kingsford name oh so that's ah that's pretty cool that is very cool are there a line of Kingsford still involved with the company, or has it long been? It's long been, uh, yeah, it's definitely not affiliated with Ford Motor Company now. Uh, Kingsford is currently, it's it was uh, bought years and years ago by Clorox, so Clorox owns Kingsford now. Right. Um, Kingsford's R&D facility is in Pleasanton, California, so I've spent many a trips there. It's the am most amazing R&D facility for anybody that loves barbecue and is a barbecue geek. That is a place to go because those cats, they look at everything. And it's, I mean, it's a, it's a science lab. Yeah. Uh, but you're cooking as well and you're trying out new, you know, charcoal and smoke and flavoring formulations. And it's just, it is, it is unbelievable going out there to visit. Yeah, well, the last time Kingsford really registered on my radar was earlier this year, the summertime, springtime. They came out with a line, or they were it was all over social media, of like the flavored briquettes, you okay, know, yep. and the different flavor profiles in the charcoal itself. And uh, that looks like a really great, interesting product. So yeah, neat. Yeah. Yeah. So one of, one of the things I, I got to ask, if you could talk to the beginner uh barbecue person getting into competitions getting into maybe catering something like that what would your number one if i could go back in time i would do this different kind of piece of advice what would that be wow and that's sort of a broad question especially when you start because i think my advice for caterers or and for com competitors would be totally different or or just beginning barbecuers uh but I guess for beginning barbecuers, my piece of advice would be learn how to cook barbecue and how to maintain your fire and temperatures before you start worrying with, uh, you know, your marinades and your injections and your dry rubs and everything. Just keep it simple. Uh, learn how to cook and control fire and pull barbecue when it's ready to pull. So basically keep it simple. Um, uh, as far as catering goes, um, I would say instead of uh, throwing out this huge menu, keep it streamlined, keep it simple, do what you do well, and uh, make sure you absolutely execute it. Because the problem with catering is, is you get one bad outing, word spreads. But if you, but if you just absolutely kill it and put out fantastic barbecue every time, then word spreads and it snowballs. Uh, when I go out and do events now, um, well, really the whole time I've been doing it, you better believe when I do an event, I can expect one or two more events to come out of that. Somebody was there. Somebody knows somebody that ate your food. Um, and you, you've got to be on your game the entire time when you're in front of people and when you're putting your food in front of people. 
that goes for restaurateur, for caterers or anything else, because it's just uh, now, especially in social media, that is so important now because, uh, you know, bad review can get out on people bad mouthing your restaurants or your catering or something like that. Uh, and you don't want that. You want the people talking about how good you performed and how good you, your, your food is. So, uh, so yeah, keep it streamlined, keep it simple, keep it tight and, uh, execute. Yeah. And, and that's where you're going to be successful is continuously executing. Solid gold right there. Do you have a favorite competition? Do you like one over the other because of the style? Oh gosh. Um, you know, I, I cook two competitions a year and that's, that's it. That's what it's sort of, uh, whittled down to. And I love them both. Uh, Memphis in May, I've been cooking Memphis since 1997 was my first year in Memphis in May. And I've been cooking the American Royal since, gosh, I think around 99, maybe. Right. So, yeah, been cooking those the longest. And uh, and those are the two that I do each year. Uh, the only time I'll do Jack Daniels now is if I win Memphis in May or the American Royal and get automatic to Jack. I don't run the circuit to qualify for Jack Daniels. One cool thing I've been doing lately, I'm an hour and a half hour and 20 minutes from Lynchburg. Right. So I've been sneaking up there and actually judging uh, the Jack Daniels the last few years and absolutely had a great time with it. So that's fun as well. Oh, that's cool. awesome. Yeah. That, do, do you prefer judging? If you could, if you could judge most everything else, like would you sneak into other smaller things and judge, or is that just, just for the Jack? No, <laughs> no I always have withdrawal when I judge it's, you know, you, you go up there and you, you look at all these other people cooking and you think, what am I doing? Why am I sitting here judging? Yeah. You know, it's like, uh, yeah, I always get this feeling in my gut that, that, yeah, I want to be out there cooking without a doubt, no question. So judging, uh, judging does not tempt me. Um, it's, it's another one of those things. The reason I go up and judge the Jack, I get to see people that I only get to see once or twice a year and sit down and visit with them and hang out with them. Uh, judge friends, uh, teams, uh, just people that I only get to see at, you know, the American Royal or, or just at the Jack one time a year. So, uh, barbecues, a you know, close family, y'all know that. And, um, and yeah, always it's, it's more about the people and the friendships. Okay. Awesome. So most people, if I may say, know the name Chris Lilly before they may know Big Bob Gibson, or that's a close follow. How did you along your path? Was it the competition? Where did the Chris Lilly brand build outside of the Big Bob Gibson world, if that makes any sense? I mean, you know, it was, it's, it's interesting. When I first started, Big Bob Gibson Barbecue was, had a great reputation in North Alabama. And, uh, you know, everybody that grew up here knew Big Bob Gibson's, knew about the white barbecue sauce. Um, it was sort of my goal to uh, sort of expand that and, you know, uh, and, and let everybody know, you know, how well we're doing barbecue down here in Decatur, Alabama. Uh, I think we did that and accomplished that through competitions. And that's where we started getting a lot of our national notoriety when we started consistently winning Memphis in May and, you know, and performing. Um, I got my first uh, television gig, Food Network television gig from Memphis in May by winning that, you know, and then I got to travel to New York. And um, so the sort of the Chris Lilly uh, brand just sort of was built hand in hand with Big Bob Gibson's and our success that we had. Um, um, and then it just got to where I was doing more and more away from the restaurant. 
and it was, uh, you know, it was it was Chris Lilly is coming to cooking as opposed to, you know, Big Bob Gibson's is coming right. to cooking. So it was sort of a hand in hand thing. I never set out to build a brand. I think it just happened. Right. And all rising water floats all boats, I guess, in this scenario. I just live in Florida now. Felt like I had to use that in some way. <laughs> so how, after what? all these years, how did you, how do you keep the motivation to be competitive at the highest level in barbecue? I mean, it, it's for me, some days it's hard to just motivate to brush my teeth. I'm like, I've done it a gazillion times. How do you find the fire to continue to compete like you do? Well, I guess most of my fire goes back to uh, creating new recipes and working with uh, working with um, you know cooking techniques and play, you know, always experimenting, whether it be the backyard or at the restaurant. Um, a lot of stuff that I do, uh, I try out on on catering jobs, not necessarily at the restaurant. So most of my fire is still on the experimentation and the creation of, of new things in barbecue. Um, also using my two sons, you know, as motivation and, you know, they are definitely have a lot more energy and a lot younger. So they are geared to go, uh, whether, uh, you know, I'm going to Daytona 500 or South beach wine and food festival, they are, they are geared up and ready. So, um, a lot of what I do, uh, is motivated by them wanting to go hang out with me and work with me, you know, in the restaurant and away from the restaurant. And that includes competitions. Um, you know, they'll have an idea. We'll, uh, you know, we'll fire up the rig and, and try it out. So yeah, it's great working with your sons and, uh, a lot of their energy sort of, uh, helps me out as well. Well, that's, that's awesome. That's are there. So they are competing as well on the circuit now or, or. They have done a couple by themselves, um, but for the most part, they'll go to Memphis in May, and we'll do Memphis in May together, and we'll do the American Royal together. But every now and then, when they can slip away, um, they might uh, sneak out and do a do a contest on their own. That's awesome. So, for for myself, my own little piece of of mind, what what type of cooker would you prefer to have at Memphis and me? What what do you what oh, are you running? Without a you... doubt, Jetmaster. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> And without without a doubt, it's been uh, we've done quite well at Memphis in May. Uh, judges seem to like my flavor profile, and um, you know, like I described it before, it's a lot of that sort of direct fat in the coals type thing. You know, I tell you, you know, think about it a lot. You know, you think of the um, the drums, all the drum smokers out there, yep. and how popular they are on you know on KCBS circuit. Um, and it's sort of the same type flavor profile in that you you have more of a direct heat. You have the fat rendering in the coals. You get sort of that backyard grilled, that charred, real rich charred flavor. Uh, so it's a flavor profile like that. But then you get the self self basting aspect as well. Uh, you know, while it while it's on the rotisserie. So so with a, without a doubt, you know, I can't really tell you to go out and buy one because you can't <laughs> but uh but yeah i love the love, love the jed masters that's awesome is the jed master a play on star wars jedi master <laughs> or is it just coincident is it a guy named jed that made this master smoker <laughs> a really good question actually when it started out it was called mr barbecue <laughs> okay. How could you so lose it? Was with that Mr. Barbecue, and then I think there was some uh, some trademark infringements there. Maybe there was another 
Mr. Barbecue. So they had to change the name and they changed the, uh, the name to Jed Master. No, the original uh, gentleman that started the company is named Dennis Unruh. And he was in Canton, Kansas is where he was from. So on the off chance that you have a day off or you, you take a day off, what are we going to see Chris Lilly doing? Yeah, what do you do if it's not barbecue? Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh, that's uh, that's uh, that's tough when I'm not barbecuing. You know, I hey, uh, spending time with the family. Uh, love to go to the lake. Uh, you know, it's hunting season right now, so uh, don't blink. I might be out in the woods, you know. Um, love to hunt. Love to get outdoors. So anything outdoors is is where I'll be. I'd much rather spend time outdoors. You know, it could come from cooking and all the time I spent outside, you know, around the charcoal grill firing up and cooking. But, uh, but you know, I grew up, uh, you know, playing outdoors and run, running the creeks and rivers and, you know, motorcycles and everything else. So, uh, yeah, you'll find me outdoors wherever it is, whether that's hunting or fishing or golf or, uh, you know, just hanging out with friends. So what, what are you shooting out in the bush out there? Oh, okay. Well, we're coming up on duck season right now. Okay. Uh, we've got duck season. We've got uh, deer season. Uh, I love to shoot my bow, uh, without a doubt. Uh, turkey hunting's big for me in the spring, so uh, that'll come up. I'll try to get a few turkey hunts in, although uh, that's when I really start getting busy with my travel is right during turkey season. So it really, uh, I've got to get creative yeah. on uh, sneaking out and turkey hunting. No, yeah. don't. Uh, your book, uh, fire and smoke is one of my favorite barbecue books. It's like one of the ones that I not only read to learn about barbecue or technique, but the recipes are approachable and really packed with flavor. So thank you for that book, by the way, the tri tip with the ancho, uh, the chili and the chipotle chili and the lime is awesome. It's a go-to for me. Any books in your future? Do you have more recipes, more stuff to share with all of us? Well, I'm always working on and, and doing new recipes. And every time I do a new recipe, I put it in the computer file. And that computer file is pretty dang fat right now. So uh, <laughs> so there's a potential uh, book down the line. I found with my first two books that uh, I, I won't sign a contract um, now until I've got, you know, 80 or 90 percent of the recipes in the bag because uh, I never like to be rushed. I like to try every recipe that goes in that book. So, um, so, uh, so if I get my recipes done, I can spend a lot of time actually writing the book and, right. uh, and, you know, and putting a lot of, you know, in, input some, you know, soul and tips and everything else in the book. And, uh, and the recipes are already in the bag. So I've got a lot of recipes, so we'll see. Uh, there's a good chance in the next year or so I'll, I'll come out with another book. What's yes. your favorite place to find inspiration? It sounds like you're always iterating, trying new things. Where do you draw that inspiration from? It's, it's my travel. It is my travel, and my favorite thing to do when I travel is uh, is eat and and visit. Uh, you know, the barbecue world is small, and you pretty much know everybody, but the culinary world is pretty dang small, too. So I've made a lot of friends, and um, I've eaten a lot of fantastic restaurants around the world. And... Um, when I go and travel, I'm eating. And a lot of times it could be a seasoning. It could be a flavor profile. It could be a technique. Uh, but I get inspiration from other chefs, from other barbecue pit masters, from other people. No question. Um, uh, and that's where I get a lot of my ideas. Um, so, yeah. 
That's it. Very cool. That's very cool. Do you have a favorite restaurant that you've eaten in the world? A, an experience that you've eaten and you've been like, oh, oh my goodness, gosh. this changed everything <laughs> I've for me. I've got a lot of favorite restaurants. <laughs> I will tell you this, my favorite place to travel in the world that, um, and, and it's because of food is, is New York city. It's Mm. no question in my opinion, the best food city in the world. Um, because I can get, I can get that diversity. I can get absolutely anything and the best of absolutely anything in, in New York, uh, going to the different restaurants. So, uh, yeah, without a doubt, that's uh, what what a great food city. Ah, and there's amazing. so many people that's doing, so many chefs doing spectacular stuff in New York. And over time, the boroughs have gentrified a little bit, so now there's great spots in the Bronx, and it's not just Manhattan. It's a just an that's amazing it. food city. Well, I'm going to New York. Yeah, so absolutely, I'll be. As a matter of fact, I'll be at uh, over in. Um, Long Island City over in Queens on uh, the end. I think it's the last weekend in April for the Jeff Minchner charity uh, barbecue uh, event. It's held at Pig Beach out there. So that's my next trip up to New York planned. Uh, fantastic event. Pitmasters from all over the country go up there and cook, raise money for that fantastic charity, and, uh, and just get together and have a blast. Cool. Some great food up there. Very cool. Um, one, one of my other questions in your catering, in your restaurant, what is your favorite thing to barbecue? Oh, that changes. It changes a lot. It really depends on what I'm experimenting with and working on. Um, so um, I've got, I'll tell you what, right now, and it's really, um, and, and again, it's week to week, what I absolutely love. Right now, I'm currently working on a menu with a really good friend, um, Adam Evans. He is the uh, was named uh, James Beard Foundation Best Chef in the South this year. Wow. He is with Automatic Seafood in Birmingham, Alabama. Um, so I was, uh, South Beach Wine and Food Festival reached out to me, and they wanted me to do a private dinner for 100 people down in, um, down in Miami. And that'll be the last weekend of February. Fantastic event if, if anybody wants to look it up and go down. But... Um, they asked me, who do you want to cook with? Just pick somebody. Yep. So I called my buddy Adam uh, and said, let's go do this. So what I'm most into now is is working on this uh, surf and turf menu uh. Uh, and, and doing uh, recipe collaborations for the entire menu. And instead of Adam doing a recipe and me doing the next recipe and him doing, we're making it collaborative. So, uh, you know, I'm doing the smoke element and then, you know, he's doing seafood as well, or we're doing a smoked seafood, uh, you know, dish. So it's really a collaborative uh, seafood and uh, smoked meat uh, entire, you know, appetizers through all the courses and even desserts. So that's the menu we're working on now. So I would say right now, if you pin me down, definitely it's um, it is seafood off the off the barbecue grill. Very cool. Oh, that's cool. And that's not easy. No, seafood's not. delicate. Yeah. Well, that's exciting. Well, we're coming to a close of your time with us. Is there anything you would like to plug, talk about, share with our followers? Oh, gosh. Um, yeah, come see me in Decatur, Alabama. Uh, yeah, come see me at Big Bob Gibson Barbecue. Uh, easy place to get to if you're going to the beach or uh, coming through Alabama. But, uh, yeah, come see me there, um, bigbobgibson.com. Chris Lilly BBQ on all, all your social media. So uh, follow me, see where I'm going. I got a lot of fantastic events coming up this year. 
that I can't wait to uh, to go to. So, uh, yeah, follow me, see where I'm going, and uh, maybe we'll meet up uh, on the road this next year, 2023. Awesome. Looking forward to it. Our plan is to do this show on the road when Mel and I are working events together. Yep. So maybe we can grab you for a quick follow-up, like a Where Are They Now episode. You know? <laughs> <laughs> what, uh, what part of Florida are you in? Uh, I moved recently in the last couple of years to the Tampa area. So like I was saying earlier, I live 10, 15 minutes from Dr. Barbecue himself. So I see Ray all the oh, time. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and I think Leanne Whippin is up in Tampa as well. So, yeah. Nice. Uh, uh, are there any of those events that you're cooking coming up that you want to plug? Or I know you just talked about the Miami event. Any of the other uh, things that are public facing you want to let people know about? Let's see. I'm doing an event at the Daytona 500, but I think that's going to be a private event. I do a lot of stuff for them, but that'll be a private event. Uh, definitely South Beach Wine and Food Festival. That's public facing, or at least until tickets are sold out. Um, that's a fantastic event. Come and see me there. Uh, the Jeff Michener event uh, at Pig Beach and end of April. Uh, it's fantastic. Memphis in May. They cut down Memphis in May to, I think, 150 teams this year. Wow. Um, I'll definitely be in Memphis um, cooking on the river, and that's the third weekend in May. So, uh, Are they moving so, back yeah, to the river this year? Up. Back to the river. Yeah. All right. They announced back to the river. They ah. renovated the park, planted trees, did hills. Yeah. But it so it limited this cooking space. Ah, so they're yeah, going the, to the, tighten up the number of teams, but still have Memphis and May World Championship. I'm glad to hear that because the, the 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 rumor mill, I guess for lack of a better expression, was that they were not because they were yeah. fixing the river up so nice that they didn't want to have a big. So I'm glad to hear it's back on the river. It's a beautiful location. Yeah. Well, Chris, thank you from me, and I'm sure Mel. Thank you very I much. Enjoyed it, gentlemen. It's awesome. Thanks awesome. for the invitation. Let's do it again soon. 100%. Um, Absolutely. Maybe I'll get through Tampa and stick my head in and say hello. We'd love <laughs> to have you over. Right on, boss. Keep killing it. Yep. You got it, guys. Wow. That was an amazing interview. I thought, what'd you think, man? I thought that was fantastic, man. To have a Hall of Famer in the house like that. Right, uh, that's deadly. So we got deep. I think those were some good questions. Maybe some he hadn't heard before. What was your takeaway after talking to Chris? What did you learn that you thought you knew that you didn't know or vice versa? The man works a lot, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like I could be working more now, yeah, actually. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> no, he's, he's got his fingers into a lot of stuff, and uh, it's, it's really crazy to see his brand separate yeah. from... From the big man's brand, right? And still carrying on. That's that's wild. That's and really also cool. seeing the handoff that he has with the Suns. Clearly, he's wasn't going to populate what they're going to do. Yep. Defer to them. But he has that full expectation that what he did for the big Bob Gibson's brand yep. and legacy, his sons will continue to iterate. I thought that was amazing. Yep. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, the thing that I walked away with uh, is how involved he is on the culinary side still. With all the corporate events he does, all the traveling, all the competition, he's not just stuck in the one gear. He's not Blue Oyster Cult playing, you know, their one big hit time and time again. He is completely iterating himself, looking for new ideas and trying new techniques. And I found that really inspiring. Yeah, that that is very cool. That is very cool. And, and to see that he's still grassroots in Alabama, I love to see that too. 
Yeah, that's and that, really cool. you know, when it, 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 of course he's spending time with his family, um, but to know that his roots are he's a good old country boy, yep. you know, he yep. likes to go outdoors, hunt, be outside, and uh, and that's exactly the right place to be. So yep. that's really was cool. And he, yeah, he's definitely supporting their brand, their family brand, like like a champ. So that that's that's something really neat to see. Really I did. What, what was the one question that now that we don't have him that you wished you'd asked? That you wanted to ask and you either didn't know how to phrase it or you didn't get to it. What was the question you'd like to ask? I, I wanted to know the cliche barbecue barbecue answer. He went with a surf and turf, smoked seafood. Oh, I like wanted to hear him say. Ribs, yeah. I wanted to hear, hear him say like, you know what sucks and no one talks about it, right. like turkey. Right? Why are we smoking turkey like brisket or something? I, that's, right. But we we missed that. But it was cool, it was that, he, cool. that he was super focused on seafood, which you don't see a lot of. You don't you know exactly. hear a lot of me. I wanted to ask him <laughs> the Alabama white sauce. I mean, it's been around since 1925. Yeah. But talking about iteration and inspiration, have you ever thought about? Have you played around with different ways to do it? Have you done it different ways, or is it the holy grail? You're just yeah. never ever going to touch or iterate that recipe. Well, that's the same with the competition sauce, right? As if he's going to tell us if he's been messing with it or not, right? Right, yeah, right, I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. But so. we get into no harm for asking. Exactly, right? exactly. Know? No, I, I think that went really well. Hopefully our fans, people that have listened to this, chime into the comment section, hit us up in the messages, let us know what you think. If there was any questions we should have hit him up with, because we'll probably be seeing him again next season. So, uh, and also, what did you like? What do you want to hear more of? What, what, what did Mel and I ask and get to that was, uh, illuminating for you? And it's something you want to see us do more of in the future. This is what we do. And we want to engage the audience in the process. hundred percent. And if you haven't gotten your neighbors or your grandmother to click subscribe on our stuff yet, you won't be getting that $5 bill in the mail. So make sure you guys get that done. Okay. I love it when you do hit the bell, ring the thing. It's the best. And I've wanted to, to, to rip that off and somehow, and I just it just never sounds the same. That's it. Well, thank you guys very much for following along. Another episode of After the Cook. Amazing. I love you, brother. Boom. Boom. Love you too, man.